counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. There ain't no second place in Lambo, it's a whole new game. You either go big, go hard, or go on back home. You got to feel it in your gut, you better want it in your bones. Welcome to Lombardi's Legends Podcast. This is Wags, and joining me as always is Dane. Sadly, we are here on a dreary Saturday morning and uh, a fall Saturday morning, but uh, it's appropriate, I think, that we have our, uh, the weather outside and, and this is uh, uh, with a topic at hand discussing our first Packers loss. Wags, this is the first time this season where we've had to talk about a loss. I'm not super excited to do it. I'm a little, I'm a little sad. I, I'm in my Badger gear. We're going to be going to the Badger game a little bit later, but... Um, this is a Green Bay Packer podcast, and um, I, I Brewers got in. The Badgers are looking like a good team, but if the Packers aren't winning uh, each week, my week is just not quite as good as it needs to be. So let's just get into it because uh, I'm really disappointed after this week four loss. Yeah, and I am too because it seemed I was super optimistic going into this game, mm-hmm. and if you would have told me before the game that the Packers were going to run 80 offensive plays and Rodgers was going to throw for 420 (laughs) yards and Devontae Adams is going to get 180 yards receiving and Jimmy Graham's going to get a little bit more involved in this offense. I would have been like, okay, how much are the Packers going to win by? And just full, uh, just a mention, um, we did record a preview episode uh, that had a lot of those optimistic thoughts, so apologize to everyone that we weren't able to get that out, had some technical difficulties. We thought they were going to win, though. We, we, bo- we went on a, on a limb. Uh, we both had bold predictions. We thought the offense would uh, blow up more than it did, and we thought the defense was going to be able to keep the Eagles in check. Both of us thought that, so um, I was wrong. I, I, I'm i really disappointed after this loss. Yeah, it, I was obviously I was wrong too, and it, it would have been nice to start 4-0 and have this next week and a half to get ready for a tough game, it looks like, against the Cowboys down in Dallas. So um, it it would have just really put us, I think, in the driver's seat a quarter way through the season. Is this loss going to be super damaging in the long run? Probably not. We've got 12 more games on the schedule. Let's go win some football games. But uh, there just would have been something about being 4-0 and and, and getting a, a nice win here uh, this past Thursday night at home at Lambeau. So uh, from, from that perspective, it, it was a little bit disappointing. But uh, in any event, we've had a couple of days now to – um, get over it a little bit, reflect. So, Dane, why don't we uh, jump right into some overall uh, thoughts and break down this game then? So, yeah, I, you know, I think the the big thing coming out of this is, yeah, we're we're three and one. So, a quarter way through the season, we have a very strong record, uh, and I think we're going to be able to build off of it. Uh, what we're going to need to deal with now, which every single team in the NFL needs to deal with, uh, are injuries. A lot of injuries I thought cropped up uh, throughout this game. It started on a very problematic note, uh, to say the least, with Jamal Williams going down on a very, very scary injury, getting hauled off on a stretcher there. Um, he, he sent out a message after the game, you know, saying that he's okay. Um, but his health is incredibly important. I thought it was a dirty hit by Derek Barnett. 
uh, the, from the Philadelphia Eagles. He came in very late, hit Jamal Williams, who was completely defenseless. I thought that was uncalled for. I actually thought during the game, and I've gone back and watched that play, I think he should have been ejected. I don't care what anybody says. That was way too late. These guys are too fast, too big. It was a violent hit. And right now, um, of course, we hope Jamal Williams gets back and is healthy because he's a contributor to the team. But also for his well-being, I just hope he's okay because that was a scary uh, thing to see, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's one thing when you see a guy get hit going over the middle and he's defenseless, but he's going up to make a catch, and the defensive guy is just going in, and they've got to try to make a play too. And you can say what you will, and they're trying to get those hits out of the game too. But to me, that's a much different type of play than seeing a guy that's stood up and clearly has lost his forward progress and you just coming in and launching yourself at that player and he's in a much more much more vulnerable position um, and both both situations you've got a vulnerable offensive player but the second situation is just dumb and senseless mm-hmm. and that that i agree um, it's an interesting contrast when you look at the way tar- college football rules and they eject players for their targeting rules versus the NFL, they talk about player safety. I'm sure he's gonna be- get a big fine mm-hmm. uh, for that hit, uh, but it had an impact on the game. We're losing our guy and uh, he gets to keep playing and uh, Barnett made some pretty big plays as we know later in the game with that strip sack on Rodgers. And um, you know he's a good player taking nothing away from him. But uh, that was a situation that I think, you know, certainly tilted uh, the game as it turned out, especially with some of the way uh, he was able to make an impact later in the game. And who knows what Williams would have been able right. to do to make an impact for the Packers. Yeah, and I think that we'll go into it a little bit more, but um, we're asking for consistency out of the NFL. And that's something that um, as we break this game down, we certainly did not see at other aspects of the game either. Um, now, Ryan Balaga. Balaga has been a tried and true Green Bay Packer for us for a very long time. Going into this season, we talked a lot about, you know, his injury history and the challenges that he's faced. Uh, We brought over uh, Billy Turner from Denver, currently starting as our right guard, but really seems to look to be the right tackle of the future. Um, Long week, not exactly sure how severe Bulaga's injury is. It looked like it was a neck-shoulder issue. He was having a hard time, I think, lifting his arms a little bit there uh, at at an NFL level to be able to do his job the way he would need to perform. Um, So we might see Billy Turner at right tackle quicker than... uh, than not, and I know that Alex Light came in last week and performed, but that was you know partway through the game. They didn't want to shift the entire offensive line. I thought Alex Light had a bit of an up and down game, uh, tough position to come into against a tough Philadelphia uh, defense on a short week, um, and I recognize that, so I think they'll look at the tape and see it, but wouldn't be surprised if they do a little bit more shuffling in a long week if Bulag is unable to go, and we're gonna see Billy Turner in there and maybe a, um, 
Um, maybe we say see um, uh, Lucas Patrick in there. You know, maybe we see. Um, you know, we have a lot of options. I think that we can work with. Um, so Cole Madison potentially. Yeah, Cole I think Madison as well. Lucas right? Patrick's probably the most next guy up. I yeah. completely agree with you, Dane. I was going to say the same thing. Uh, and this is the um, impact of the uh, in- injury up front the previous week where we lose and Taylor, I'm sorry. And now we've got uh, we've got a, a, a little bit less depth up front yeah. because you're looking at Elton Jenkins as a guy who might be able to swing around. But if we have this injury to um, Bulaga this week, I, I don't know, I still don't know if that changes what they do in game. To your point, mm-hmm. moving Turner from guard to tackle in the middle of a game is probably asking a little bit too much. But who knows? Maybe they do. That would have given them that flexibility that they were certainly looking for coming into the season, uh, where perhaps then you just plug Jenkins in uh, at uh, the right guard spot, mm-hmm. move Turner out to tackle, and Alex Light is, is still in a backup role. I, I don't know if that would have been what would have happened in the game, but certainly going into next week, uh, I agree. I think we're probably going to see some shuffling around, and, and most likely it's going to be Lucas Patrick getting uh, the next man up if Bulaga is unable to go. Um, and, and listen, Bulaga has been awesome mm-hmm. so far this season, so that would be a significant loss, but at least we would have a little bit probably more time to prepare and make sure that we get the best five guys out there on the field uh, with with uh, some practice time and uh, an opportunity to prepare and get these guys ready, if that is indeed the case. Um, so, Dane, wh- let's talk a little bit about Devontae Adams. Yeah. Um, turf toe injury, that's always a little bit scary for a skill position player, and especially a guy that you know, runs these precise routes. Uh, that's as, you know, he's cutting off of that foot. Those are the type of injuries that can linger. You, you mentioned before we started turf toe, mm. uh, soft tissue. Those are always concerning injuries from, particularly from skill position guys. And so what do you think? Is this going to be something that could linger all season? Um, uh, do you expect to see Devontae perhaps get some rest and, is he going to be, we don't know, but would it perhaps be better in the long run um, to take a, a cautious route and if we need to sit Devontae for a week or two uh, to get him some rest and a better chance to heal? Yeah, uh, I think that it's too soon to tell. The, the good news coming out of, of this with an injury like this is that, um, you know, there was uh, talk that it's not as it's not a quote unquote serious injury or significant injury. We saw that kind of leak out here um, after X-rays and MRI. But to your point, these kind of injuries they can sometimes not look too bad, but then they linger and they stick with the guy long term. Uh, speaking of long term, we're looking to make the playoffs. We're look, looking to win the division. We're looking to go to a Super Bowl. So if it is uh, important and, and significant enough that maybe we hold Devontae out a week or even two for the long-term success of this team, I'm all for it. Uh, we're not trying to play week to week right now. It's way too early for that. What I would hate to see is we rush Devontae back and he's playing at 40% um, you know, in week five and six. 
instead of um, holding out a game and maybe playing it 70, 80, 90, 100, close to 100% um, later on in the year because that's what we need. This offense um, obviously starts with Aaron Rodgers, but oftentimes finishes with Devontae Adams. And um, to not have him long-term would be very, very difficult for me to foresee. Yeah, and I completely agree. This would be this is an already an offense that um, you know looked pretty good in, in most aspects. Certainly, um, we'll get into how yeah. they looked down around the goal line was was what what really cost them in this particular game. But things seem to be clicking uh, to the level that boy, you'd be pretty optimistic about what this offense can do moving forward. But when you take a you know significant component out of that, like Devontae Adams, and I don't expect that this is going to be an injury that's going to keep him off the field, obviously, for, you know, a huge chunk of the season, if at all. However, uh, if it's limiting to him to any degree, uh, that will be, I'm sure, frustrating for him, but it just makes uh, this offense a little bit less dangerous and a little bit easier to cover when you've got a guy and a weapon like Devontae Adams that isn't 100% uh, in being able to do all the things that he can normally do out on that football field. So, Dane, let's talk a little bit about two other, I think, hopefully minor injuries, but we'll see. Yeah. I don't know if we've gotten all the word out on Will Redman and Tony Brown. Mm -hmm. uh, it sounds like Tony Brown had a hamstring. Which I hate. I hate those. Oh, you said soft tissue. I hate hearing that because even if it's minor, those things just creep back up. Sure. And he's not a guy that's been out on the field defensively much this year at all, but always a significant contributor on special teams. Yeah. And it just hampers the depth a little bit when you've got Raven Green that's out already and he's on the IR and then adding to that Will Redman uh, had to leave the field and and I'm not sure that we have any update at this point um, the Packers haven't officially released an injury report they don't have to do that until next week so and he was already kind of backing up both safety positions and was out in the field in the position that Raven Green was in, right. in sort of that hybrid role, uh, trying to hold the fort down until we get Oren Burks back. Uh, so, and, and we, we can talk about him in a little bit, but this is now a, a, another situation where we felt really great about the depth. And listen, I would much rather keep our our main starters healthy, obviously. Uh, Amos and Savage staying healthy is is the biggest thing. But when you've got these injuries to these guys behind them, boy, that really, really causes a, a lot less margin for error because we need these guys to come in and be able to contribute on the field too. So um, any thoughts there on, on what we might have to do to scrape together some coverage if a Will Redman or Tony Brown are out for a game or two as well? Yeah, so, you know, hopefully, let's look at silver linings from this week. We're all disappointed, but we do have... Uh, extra time for these to, these guys to get right. I have no idea what's up with Will Redmond's injury right now. I know that he went in, around the third quarter, I think. He went into the tent there that they have on the sidelines. But I'm hopeful uh, that that one isn't too significant since we haven't heard too much about it since the, that time. A little bit more worried, obviously, about Tony Brown's injury. I've been following him on social media a little bit and um, you know, just trying to, trying to get a sense of what's going on with him. Um, if he go, if if his is more significant than maybe it seems right now, 
I'd be nervous about that because he's the kind of guy that when he's out there uh, playing on the defensive side of the ball, of course, special teams, he, he's, a, he's a monster. But I always feel pretty comfortable with, with Tony being out there. I like his game. I think that he's just continues to improve. Um, so if they're down, I think we're going to see a, a, a bigger dose of Shandon Sullivan. Uh, Showtime, uh, you know, a former Eagle himself uh, that's been here uh, this year, impressed a lot in camp. And I think that we would see him. I mean, he, he battled and made the roster. He's got some um, starting experience in the NFL. And I think that, you know, he's the kind of guy that could play. He played five snaps last week. And, um, and then certainly Josh Jackson, we would see more of him. He came in last week when Redmond went down and played a, a number of snaps. So, you know, second round pick last season, excuse me, 10 snaps last week, um, uh, Josh Jackson played. So, you know, we would see more of that second round pick, Josh Jackson, and then no doubt about it, more of Showtime Sullivan, uh, because he can play both cornerback and safety and his flexibility is key to this Packers defense. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, more likely, I think we'd see Josh Jackson get some more snaps in mm -hmm. that same role that uh, Will Redmond and Raven Green were occupying. Um, and certainly if Oren Burks got uh, some limited practice time, not this past week, but the week prior, uh, is getting closer to coming back, that will hopefully uh, be something that can um, help significantly on this defense. Mm -hmm. the, to be honest with you, though, Dane, we, we don't, do we exactly know what we're getting out of Oren Burks yet at this point? No. Because he hasn't done anything yet out on the field. Um, to show that we can trust him and that he can contribute in a major way. He was the de facto starter coming out of camp, but we haven't seen anything on the field to say that, okay, he's going to be a guy that's going to make a big impact and hopefully be able to bolster um, some of the things that we need help with uh, from that inside linebacker position, namely in uh, rush defense at that second level, but especially in pass defense. Mm -hmm. uh, Blake Martinez can't do everything. This guy is trying to, he's getting stretched so thin right. to try to cover so much ground out there. He needs someone that can at least be pretty solid to hopefully above average. And so if Oren Burks is ready to come back, that would be certainly a big, uh, I think, hopefully a big help as long as he get out, gets out there and performs pretty well. Um, and uh, that would uh, certainly give the Packers some more options with their defensive looks as well. No doubt about it. And uh, talking about this defense, let's transition into this overall. We'll try to keep this short because we could probably talk all day about both the defense and the offense. But I will say that... Um, we're going to find out what kind of defense we got pretty quick here. We got punched in the mouth on Thursday night football here. And we got gutted a little bit there out of the run game. Not a little bit. We got gutted by, by, by that uh, Philadelphia Eagles uh, run defense. I thought that, um, you know, we saw heavy doses of Dean Lowry and Kenny Clark there on the field an awful lot. Um, the, the Smiths were out there quite a bit, but we also saw... Um, I noticed Fackrell and Gary were both out there without either of the Smiths as well. Uh, didn't get as much pressure as we'd hope. It's a work in progress. Um, but I think that we're going to find out who we got. I, I, I was disappointed by, by, um, by the performance. Blake Martinez played, I think, darn near every snap, as he usually does. And that's, 
that's tough to play out of a middle linebacker. It says a lot that we're getting run on and B.J. Goodson plays seven snaps uh, for the game. So Oren Burks coming back would be a welcome addition, even if we're not exactly sure what we're getting out of him. Uh, but overall, um, I thought I didn't expect us to give up 30-plus points against this Philadelphia uh, Eagles offense. I thought that they um, used the tight end position particularly well and, uh, and then were able to, to um, just um, run almost at will at times and it also didn't help that we had uh, to deal with short field almost entirely throughout the game. A couple uh, miscues on the kickoff team that really frustrated me. The first one was on that kick return. Um, we've, we've given up a couple big kick returns on very limited opportunities this year, so that concerns me. And then second of all, that kick out of bounds on the following kickoff that Mason had, um, that's pretty inexcusable, and I don't know where that came from, but that just came off his foot weird, but it was a really poor time for that to happen because it gave the Eagles uh, some extra life. Yeah, I, I'm i going to say something that might be a little bit controversial, but honestly, I didn't think the defense played that different than what they did in the first three weeks. Mm -hmm. Certainly the points was a, a significant difference. But this is a defense, we've said it from the start, that it's designed to cover the pass first and then the run. Now, do I want teams to be rushing for 180 to 200 yards a game against this defense? No, but we saw it against the Vikings. We saw it to a certain extent against the Broncos, a lesser extent certainly against the Bears, who just didn't really have a, as good of an offensive game plan as what we've seen the last three weeks from our opponents. They're going to give up some rush yards. Mm -hmm. Now, it's all about the yards per attempt. In this game, uh, the Packers were just getting, you said it, they were getting gashed a little bit. Mm -hmm. And instead of, you know, four to a lower four yards to a, maybe a upper three yards per attempt uh, on the, in the ground game, they were giving five to six yards per yeah. attempt in the ground game uh, on average to these running backs for the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's, that's something that's going to uh, be a little bit, I think, discouraging to the coaching staff and to the players. But I think they can clean that up a little bit. It's, it's also a lot different when you're allowing rush yards to the opposing offense and you're playing from behind versus when you're winning. Mm -hmm. And when the Eagles got down to their, uh, into the Packers side of the field, into the red zone, they were able to convert into touchdowns every single time. Honestly, I think if we play that game over again 10 times, that's probably only happening once or twice. Uh, more likely, despite everything that happened, more likely the Packers defense is holding them to at least one field goal in that situation, if not a couple. And there are some scenarios where they turn, they force turnovers like they have in, in past weeks. Then that's the other big difference from previous weeks is exactly. just the takeover. And they didn't, this was a Philadelphia team that has protected the ball fairly well so far this season, but they've turned the ball over in every game previous to this week, and they didn't have any turnovers. Yeah. So you've got to give them a lot of credit for taking care of the football, and the, this is a Packers defense that I think is going to be predicated on forcing turnovers to a large extent from the opposing offense, and when they don't force turnovers, they're going to give up more than 15 or 16 points uh, in, in a lot of these games. 
I think this is still a very good defense. I didn't see anything particularly structurally that was super concerning to me um, from a pass game perspective. Uh, statistically, Carson Wentz didn't necessarily do that well. I thought from the eyeball test, I thought he w- he played actually exceptionally well mm-hmm. and was clearly the best quarterback that the Packers have played so far this season. Um, but you know, they held up pretty well, I thought, in the past game. And so they were doing the things that structurally this defense is designed to do. Uh, they just, this was a, a game that they just didn't get those turnovers and forced the Eagles to get out of that running game a little bit because they were ahead the entire second half. And so that limited the opportunities to get some turnovers as well. So don't panic here, mm-hmm. uh, fellow Packers fans. I, I think. Uh, this was just one game. Philadelphia's got a, a good offensive system. They had a really good game plan, and they held on to the ball, and, and that's just the way that this game kind of uh, broke down from a defensive standpoint. Yeah, so we'll see, and we'll, we'll do a preview ahead of uh, the Dallas game, and that's going to be we'll talk all about how we can stop Ezekiel Elliott <laughs> in, the, in the days to come. Uh, offensively, let's let's go into this offense, Wags. Um, Devontae Adams was a man among boys for most of this game until an injury forced him out. They could not defend him. He was an absolute animal, and, and I, I, it was nice to see some, some other guys step up. Geronimo, who we thought might be able to step up, had an incredible catch. Um, and to extend the chains on a third down play and then pulled in a touchdown the next play. And I said, that's the Geronimo we were hoping for. Um, looking at him, and I, I, we, but the run game, we, there was no run game to speak of this entire game. And that really was the, um, a theme, I thought, uh, that we saw throughout the game that caused real challenges. Yeah, and this was a Philadelphia defense that's second in the league against the run. Mm-hmm. So, and they've been good in past seasons too. This is a strength for this defense. So we knew it was going to be tough, but it's a little bit discouraging when we went against uh, some pretty good rush defenses the first few weeks and we were able to move the ball on the ground. And yeah, the Packers ended up with 77 rush yards, but uh, 46 of those were from Rodgers scrambling and, and moving the chains a couple of times. So mm-hmm. I, I, you really can't say that they were effective in the run game at all. To what extent was the Williams injury um, impacting that, and certainly the Bulaga injury impacting that? It's hard to know. Uh, we, we don't know what the game plan was coming in, but this seems to be a, a defensive line, a defensive front that would have been um, well-suited for Williams to get some more physical runs against and, and kind of uh, pop them back a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and that's just not really Aaron Jones's game. He's, he's a guy that needs to get into that second level and get into some space and make some guys miss. And uh, they weren't able to establish that at all. It, even though Williams had 13 carries and there was really no other options, it did feel like they bailed on the run a little bit, didn't it? Yeah. Um, I don't know if there would have been an opportunity to get this game run game going a little bit more. I know at one point uh, in, in game, you said, and, and I agreed with you mm-hmm. once we got towards the end of the third quarter, uh, let's just uh, snap it up and let's just throw the ball the yeah. rest of the way here. Um, but where do you think things turned? What is, is it as simple as those those injuries to Balaga and, and Williams that 
kind of threw the Packers off in that run game or, or was there more opportunities to perhaps um, take some spots and get this run game going in this game? Yeah, I thought it just wasn't really going to be our day once the game started to unfold. You could tell that um, there was some real opportunity to move the ball through the air. Rodgers had found opportunities to get some very, very big chunk plays. Uh, gashing this this Philadelphia defense and uh, the, the run lanes just weren't there. Not only were they not there, but they consistently were forcing us into second and 12. So we were actually losing yards. So it's hard for me to justify, especially as the game continues and the Eagles were making adjustments, uh, to continually, um, you know, go into second and long, very long, longer than, than first and 10, um, then just to start to find those three, four yard routes that can at least move the ball in a positive way. And then as we've seen in past seasons, maybe throwing the ball would open up the run a little bit more. And that was what I was hopeful for a little bit inverse of how we normally would play this. Um, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we just weren't running the ball. I didn't think that the defense was too fast on these pitch plays. We were getting stuffed left and right there. Aaron Jones was, was going to be gassed because it was he and Vitaly the rest of the game with the Williams injury. And it just started to play into the hands of, well, if they're going to give Devontae Adams that kind of cushion, throw it to Devontae Adams and let's throw the playbook out a little bit here and just move the chains. I was kind of hoping we might be able to see some more um, short passes yeah. to the running uh, backs. And, and Vitaly had um, a, a few targets and two receptions. Um, and certainly Aaron Jones uh, was, was pretty busy uh, from that perspective as well. So I guess overall you can't really complain as Jones was targeted seven times and he had six receptions. Uh, and it seemed like that was kind of the alternative to what the run game was going to be. Um, it's it's really tough, though, to me to understand what is this offense going to do moving forward because this this offense this past week looked a lot like some of the offenses in past seasons, uh, not necessarily last year as much, but seasons before that was heavily reliant on Aaron Rodgers. And listen, it looked pretty good for the most part. Mm -hmm. uh, again, aside from a couple of those uh, short yarded situations down at the goal line, uh, which we'll get into a little bit more, it looks really good when we get Aaron Rodgers in a rhythm and he found some mismatches against his Philadelphia secondary. Is it at all concerning that it might be difficult for Aaron Rodgers to get in a rhythm and have a really you know, effective game where he's feels really good about how this offense is moving the football from a pass perspective when the run game is going uh, versus the other way around. Um, because we've seen that as a struggle uh, in past seasons where mm -hmm. McCarthy really, really wanted to get this run game going. And it seemed like it just, unfortunately, you said it mm -hmm. just now, the pass game seems to be what gets the run game going. And that's always what Rodgers has kind of done is it's been pass first and listen that's that's the way it probably should be uh for most of his career but this is an offense that Lafleur wants to get the run game established so that we can get those play actions and get some of the pass uh downfield going off of the run game not the other way around 
So that's just kind of an interesting dynamic. Mm -hmm. What will this offense do? There's that give and push and that pull. And, and certainly I think Coach LaFleur and this offensive staff understands that they have to play to the strength of, of what these players can do out on the field. Uh, so they're not going to be like overly stubborn about this. But at the same time, I think it's a fair question to be looking at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, get back to me in about four weeks. Let's, <laughs> let's figure out, let's get halfway through and see how the, uh, how the rest of this shakes out. I want to give them a little bit more time to work stuff out. Uh, we're still four games in, um, but I but I noted and, and we'll 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 circle back because I think that is a, a valid concern, um, and uh, I'm not going to want to belabor this point down here at the goal line because I know that there's been a lot of over analysis and we're running up against it a little bit here with timing, but I will say that um, those two sequences down there on the goal line were about as frustrated I've been as a Packer fan in in quite a while. Um, I, I, it just, it didn't work the way. And, and, and this podcast isn't going to sit here and be about everything that went wrong with the Packers. But I will say that, that, um, those two goal line stands where the Packers were not able to convert from the one yard line. I need to take a breath wags. Yeah. It's the first one, especially the first you, one. You've yeah. got first and goal at the one yard line and I, I know you don't. You said you don't want to belabor it, so that's fine. I, let's get into it a little bit. At Definitely. least the the, the plays mm -hmm. was that was that the biggest problem? I think those first three, three play calls. I hate 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 emphasis on hate the you know uh, the flare out and just toss it up and uh, uh, it's the 50-50 ball with the receiver and the DB. It just seems like that's such a low percentage play. If you're going to run that play with, you know, a below average quarterback, fine. Mm -hmm. But you've got Aaron Rodgers. It almost seems like you're hamstringing him a little bit when you run a play call like that. And I just did not like that play call at all. Now, that being said, Jimmy made a pretty good play on the ball. It wasn't a perfect pass. It wasn't a perfect, uh, you know... Uh, attempt to come down with the ball it would have been a pretty difficult catch uh, so I can't really blame uh, Jimmy Graham on that play the DB was pretty good coverage there as is usually the case on that play call mm -hmm. so it just you know it, it didn't work and that's the type of play that doesn't seem like it works a, a significant percentage of the time so throw that uh, play call out yeah. there then then on on second down um, what did you think of the play calls on second and third down? Because, it, you know, I get what they're trying to do there, but it just didn't seem like, you know, they had a, a high percentage play call in that situation. Yeah, I mean, second down, I probably would have run. Just, you know, you're, you're at the one-yard line. Uh, try to see what you can do. Cause... What about Vitaly right there? Yeah. Right. I mean, you yeah. know, I, I, I get what, again, I get what you're trying to do, but... Mm -hmm. It's. It seems like that's that's a situation where let's just see if we can pound it in. You're one yard out, mm -hmm. and yes, the run game hasn't been getting much, but let's get a formation and um, just punch it through one hole. Uh, maybe you have Tunyon as kind of a lead blocker from the, the flanker position, uh, kind of sliding in motion, and then you've got Vitaly running right behind him uh, to try to just... 
uh, lean forward and get into the end zone. When you when you don't run on that second down play or that first down play, I think all you do, if, if I were the defensive coordinator, is cue up the fact that they're probably not running on that third down or if they're going for it on fourth down. So that that's that was my frustration was like first or second down, run the ball. And it takes the play action out of it. Completely. It takes everything away. So now you're really limited. Uh, that third down play, I don't know what the heck happened. <laughs> like I they they looked they they that that last uh, four plays there on that series on the goal line, they got progressively worse, I thought, and they just started to look um, the, it didn't look like things were firing on all cylinders starting with that first play. Well, so the third down, I <laughs> the first look on that play was to try to come uh, straight on that, that slant route. Mm-hmm. And the Philadelphia defensive player, I don't know if it was called, but he made a great read. It, it, he was showing that he was going to come uh, across the line of scrimmage and pressure Rodgers. And Rodgers is rolling out. So you really expect him to press the line of scrimmage and drawing that initial defender forward. Um, I think you know it's a pretty easy uh, pitch and, and catch in that situation because uh, we had inside leverage. The problem, though, is that there was no secondary option. And mm-hmm. Rodgers just looked flustered. Yeah, um, you didn't Because know Jimmy do. Graham was lined up on the outside, and at least if he could have set and made a back shoulder type throw to, you know, a... a in a spot where Jimmy is the only one that's going to be able to come down with the football, mm-hmm. uh, then you've got another attempt or another option on that. The other thing with that is I was surprised Rogers threw it so quickly. It's almost like he was getting ready to throw and then he saw yeah. the defensive guy falling back and he couldn't you know hold on to the ball yeah. and it started he started to move his arm forward and it, it almost looked like he you know, just reacted in that he wasn't sure if he would be able to pull the ball back down and he had to kind of just force it out into a spot on the field where no one was going to come out with a football uh, versus if he would have had another split second and his arm's not already coming forward, perhaps he can reset his feet and make another read. I'm not sure. So uh, in any event, uh, it was, I think, more a really good play by the Philadelphia defensive player in that situation. Um, and unfortunately, uh, it just didn't uh, come together and it looked really ugly. So fourth down then. Fourth down, they, I, so this is where you and I completely disagree. Um, fourth down, it was very clear that the Packers offense was not looking like it was going to be able to get the football in. I've seen this game. I've seen these guys play for a very long time and I, I didn't have any confidence at that point. And the fourth down play, whatever you wanted to call, it broke down and it looked like street ball out there. I think even the announcer at one point, I forget who said it, they were like, oh, it looks like they're just like drawing it up in the sand on that fourth down play. That's unacceptable at that point in the game. And I, I felt that coming before the snap happened. I said at the time, I actually wanted to take the points and kick the field goal. In that time, there's a fourth quarter, about nine, a little under nine minutes left in the game. Packers were down by seven. I thought, kick the field goal, rely on the defense that's gotten you there all year, get the ball back and win the football game. You are a fine and you, you are a, um, uh, an advocate for going and trying to tie that game right there. Yeah, I, I, I think you go for it in that situation every time. I mean, um, yeah, I think if you look from a game flow perspective, you know, obviously it's, there's some observational things that you're looking at. And then also 
uh, time and place of, of where you are at the game and how much time's left um, and where you're at, uh, where you are on the field. And so from that perspective, I mean, I think you could you could probably argue either way. Um, I have no I, I really have no problem with with your stance that you take the points and take your chances, especially the way that this defense, even despite some of the struggles in this game, the way that this defense has come up with big plays and big stops so far this year. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's probably about a 50 50 perspective. Um, in terms of you know how how you could look at it, I, I, the one thing I would say is you know if you don't get it from that yardage on the field, mm-hmm. they they're getting the ball at their own one yard line, so you're taking a couple of things uh, away in that situation. And yes, you want points either way. You want points, but if you don't get it in a um, an attempt to go for it on fourth down, you're still in a really good position from a field position standpoint and you you possibly it's not a highly likely scenario but you possibly are in a position to get points on a safety mm-hmm. so you know I, I think there's an argument to be made but um i think both of those things certainly are a factor um one thing i would say too you know um i i you asked me not to overanalyze this but i'm sorry i had to right. <laughs> um you know i think there's also a game flow in terms of outcome probability so i i did some flow charts here dan yeah, go and i'm not going to go into all of the different possible uh outcomes but um just to give an overview if they take the field goal um i mapped out um there's there's might be a few more but i threw a couple of of the outcomes out that just are you know, the probability is extremely low. Um, it, there was about 11 realistic outcomes if you take the field goal. Um, in seven of the outcomes, they lose. Three of the outcomes, they force overtime. In one of them, they win. Mm-hmm. Um, and so essentially, the only outcome that they can win in the situation that you take the field goal, um, with the amount of time that's left on the clock, is by kicking the field goal, coming up with a defensive stop, and then going down and scoring a touchdown. Absolutely. And... So I, I get that. Uh, that's that's certainly something that can happen. Um, if you go for it, um, whether you convert or fail to co- uh, convert in that situation, um, there are a few more potential outcomes because of the safety element mm-hmm. being in play. But there are 14 realistic outcomes. In four of them, they lose. In five, they force overtime. And in five, they win. So... I'm not a major in math, but uh, there is a lot more favorable outcomes by going for it in that situation on the field. And so for me, um, when when you're in that situation, I think most football po- coaches are going to go for it uh, most of the time. If you're earlier in the game, um, even in the third quarter, I think it makes a lot more sense to take the field goal because there's so many more potential outcomes with there being more, uh, you know, offensive and defensive possessions and more time on the clock. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no. I think it's I, I love the analytics. That's why this is so fun to, to break it down. But I chuckled yesterday, actually. I was reading a quote and they actually asked Bill Belichick about analytics. And this is no joke from from today is Saturday. So on Friday, I think I read this quote. And he said, personally, I just try to take everything based on what I see and not try to maybe read too much into the numbers and so forth. As you know, analytics is not really my thing. I just try to evaluate what I see. Uh, It works for some people and that's great. Uh, For me, for us, 
uh, when asked about uh, analytics, he said he takes uh, them into account less than zero percent of the time. Okay, well, because that's, he, that's because fair. He's a I don't guy. know if I believe Coach Belichick, but he can say. I mean, that's that's it's, a good. It's you know, a feel. You're getting a, a, a Dane. I appreciate that. You know, mm-hmm. you're getting uh, a quote from one of the top. Uh, if not the, the best football coaches of all time, mm-hmm. and he's talking about analytics. That's that's a subjective argument that Bill Belichick is making against analytics. All I'm trying to do is introduce um, some other angles that we can get at in this situation. No, and I, I, I hear you, and I, I think that the analytics are great for most of the time. But in this field, um, I saw earlier this year, Jamal Williams get stuffed on a fourth and one when we could have gone up by 17 against the Vikings. I didn't like that play. I wanted to take the points then. And I thought in this time, uh, at the same time, I, I saw the flow of the game going. I thought, you know what? I think we take these points. We make a stop. And I was confident we may, would make a stop, which we did. And then on that last drive, we're going for the win and not just going for a, a tie in for overtime at that point. And um, I stand by my, my, my belief system okay. on this one. That's fine. So we've talked about outcome probability, but I actually have one more, uh, two more uh, looks and then we'll wrap this up. Yeah. Um, so uh, actually looking at advanced analytics, which the outcome probability isn't necessarily looking at. Um, and I'll, I'll give credit to um, advancedfootballanalytics.com. There are a number of studies on when to go for it, when to punt, and when to kick field goals uh, in a fourth down, fourth, fourth down situation. Um, and I, again, not going to get into the nuts and bolts of this, but from the one yard line, uh, essentially there is an expected point value for each of those scenarios. From the one yard line on fourth down, there is an expected point value of 4.8 points by going for it. Um, and there's an expected point value of 2.6 points by kicking the field goal. Mm-hmm. So uh, from a, um, uh, a projection model uh, on fourth down and looking at the advanced analytics, um, th- that also tells you to go for it. And I agree, from football, you can't just look at analytics and say, let's just do whatever the advanced analytics do, uh, because you have to take into all of the account all of these factors. The last thing, though, that I'm going to mm-hmm. leave you with is the attitude. What about the locker room? What does this say to the team when you're down by a touchdown uh, in the fourth quarter at home from the one-yard line? What would Coach Lombardi do, Dane, in that situation? I think we know what he would do. We saw what he would do in the ice bowl. Uh, he would go for it because... Uh, you know what, there's a certain point where um, what these guys want to do, and you've been part of, of football teams, these guys all want to feel like, hey, we're going to be aggressive and we're going to give ourselves the best chance to win. And we're not going to, you know, just uh, uh, give up uh, in that situation. We want to go for it and score a touchdown. And so I think that carries a lot of weight. I, 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 I think that's a little bit more anecdotal and subjective as well. But uh, certainly, I think there was a quote that one of our buddies sent um, mm-hmm. from, from uh, about Coach Lombardi saying, you know, I think in his mind, if we couldn't go for it and make it, we didn't deserve it. And um, so throw the analytics out on that. Uh, I think, you know, having a team mentality and an attitude that, okay, we didn't get it this time, but we're going to go for it in those situations. We're going to go for it and we're going to do the, everything we can 
to put ourselves in the best position to win football game. I think for a first year coach and a young coach and, and uh, Matt LaFleur, uh, it was critical for him to show his football team that he believed in them to go out there and, and make that play and give themselves a chance to tie that football game. Uh, when the Packers went for it in the Ice Bowl, uh, Coach Lombardi had had a number of Super Bowl rings. He had Fuzzy Thurston at right tackle. We had Alex Light at right tackle. I don't think it's the same thing. Do you think it's the same thing? Um, well, it's not the same thing. It's fourth game of a regular season game with, with uh, no offense to Elton Jenkins, but uh, he's not Jerry Kramer yet. So I just don't think, I think that's apples and oranges. So I think we can just throw that argument right out. All right. Well, I, I think it still applies. I don't know how many um, guys on the football team, if you went around the locker room, would say, yeah, we should, have, we should kick the field goal in that situation. Um, but, you know, unless we get access as reporters, uh, we're not going to have that opportunity. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, we'll be back with a uh, preview of the Packer game versus the Dallas Cowboys. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.